I remember when I was in college, and I was asked by a guy in college, he says, hey, Greg, I'm struggling in one of my classes, and boy, would you help me out? Would Would you help me study? Would you help me get ready for this big test coming up? And I said, sure, I'd love to help you on the test. I'd love to help you get ready. Well, the test was, you know, about a month and a half off, and and so I, I, my idea was, you know, we would meet each week and study and work through. He never wanted to do that. And every time I would get a little closer to the test, you know, a week would go by and say, hey, we need to study. Yeah, 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 we do. And uh, another week would go by, hey, we, we ought to study. Yep, yep, we sure should. And we, we got a couple weeks away from the test and, I looked at him and I said, hey, we ought to study. And he looked at me and he goes, I know we ought to study, but my ought to bumped into my want to, and my want to don't want to. Have you ever felt that way? How about when it comes to prayer? Should we pray? Oh, Pastor Greg, we ought to pray. Do you want to? Well, well, I I talked to God throughout the day. That's awesome. That's called informal prayer. That is great. But do you ever take the time just to sit down and say, God, we need to talk. We need to talk. I, I, I want to be intentional in talking to you. Greg, I want to, I, I ought to, but my want to right now is just kind of broken. Can I suggest where that comes from? It's a heart issue. Well, if you'll put up the next slide, I want to show them this. Proverbs 4.23 Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flows the springs of life. In other words, it all starts with the heart. If you want to fix your want to, you got to start with your heart. Because if you want to, don't want to, it's a heart issue. Because, friends you'll always find time to do what you want to. You'll always make your want-tos possible. It's a heart issue. And Scripture says, guard your heart. Why? Because that's where the want-tos come from. So, you know, I'm a diabetic, so one of the things I have to do is I have to test my blood regularly. I have to go in for A1C, and, you know, they take the blood, and and, uh, um, I I don't like it because they keep missing the vein or the vein rolls, and, you know, they're sitting there, we'll find it, please hurry, you know, it keeps rolling. Finally, they find it, and it comes out, and they test it, and they say, oh, you're at this level, and what? There's some tests that we can do to test our heart. Did you know that? I would like to give you some tests that we can perform on our heart when it comes towards prayer. 
And so number one, the first test I want to show you is this. Here's the question I want you to ask yourself. Did I forget I'm in a war? Ephesians chapter 6. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We are in a spiritual war. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are in spiritual warfare. The spiritual bullets are flying around you. The spiritual war is raging. And the spiritual war is going to attack your spiritual supplies. Now, I want you to uh, think about this. In, in, In warfare... There's two parts of an army. There is the part that goes out and fights, and there's the part that comes back and supplies. If all you have is part of an army that fights, when they run out of gas, when they run out of food, when they run out of ammunition, when their planes run out of parts, they stop doesn't matter how great they are at fighting wars. It doesn't matter how, how, how great they are at defeating the enemy. When their supplies run out, they stop. This happened in World War II. There was a division fighting in, in, in Italy, and they were fighting, and they were doing a great job pushing back the Germans and, and the, the, the whole Nazi resistance. And they started to run out of stuff. So it led to the second part, the supply line. Now, they were being supplied by a group from Poland, a group of Polish fighters. Now, these Polish fighters, they had found a bear cub about a year, year and a half before. And they had raised this bear cub. And now this was a full-grown bear they didn't know what to do with it so they took it with them to the front lines now when the war was going and the battle was raging it was some of the fiercest fighting at that time their trucks couldn't get close enough to resupply the soldiers at the front and so they had to grab the big boxes of ammo to run and try to carry it to the front and they just couldn't keep up with it because these boxes of ammunition and supplies were so heavy and it looked like the allies were going to go down in defeat however because they had raised this bear the bear had picked up a habit of mimicking whatever they were doing. So if they were wrestling, it wanted to wrestle. If they were eating, it wanted eating. So when it saw that they were picking up these big boxes, it decided it would do the same thing. The thing is, a bear can carry a whole lot more than a man. 
And so instead of picking up one box, they would pick up several boxes. And it would carry them to the front. Could you imagine uh, receiving your ammunition from a bear? I mean, the message is clear. Win the war or I'll eat you, you know? Just the morale boost. And they were able to supply and they were able to win the battle. Why? Because without the supplies, you can't fight. The enemy knows that our greatest supply is prayer. He knows that, that when we go to the Heavenly Father, He renews our spirit. He renews our strength. He renews who we are. And without prayer, we are cut off and we are weak. And so that's where He attacks. That's where He goes knowing that we would be doomed without it. So sometimes, when we are struggling with our prayers, we must stop and say, Father, I, I think this is a spiritual attack. I need You to, to ward off the enemy. I need You to, to stop the enemy from attacking me on this. Father, I need Your help. I need You to put the want to in me to pray. Because I want to win this spiritual battle. Notice secondly, what did I do? What did I do with what's been given? What did I do with what's been given? Zechariah 7, this is 500 years uh, after or before Jesus Christ comes. Uh, before the birth of the Lord, Zechariah the prophet writes this, but they refused to pay attention. Stubbornly they turned their backs and stopped their ears that they might not hear. They made their hearts diamond hard lest they should hear the law and the words that the Lord of the hosts had sent by His Spirit through the former prophets. Therefore great anger comes from the Lord of hosts. And as I called, they would not hear. So when they called, I would not hear, says the Lord of hosts. I want you to get this. These people are hearing God. God is pleading with them. He's pleading with them. He's pleading with them. He's talking with them. He's talking with them. And they are taking their hands and they're shoving their fingers in their ears. And they're going, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. And they make their hearts diamond hard. There's no chance of molding it. There's no chance of moving it. I don't want to deal with what you've told me, God. Question, what have you done with God? what you already have from God? You know, He's given us this. He's given us the Word of God. What are you doing? Are you obeying what you already know? before you ask Him to tell you some more? Are you listening to what He's already told you? Are you responding in obedience? Am I responding in obedience to what God has already told us? For if I'm not, then pretty soon, I'm going to begin not wanting to listen to God. And His message may stop coming. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 29, it says this, If anyone turns a deaf ear to the Word, even his prayers are detestable. The Message Bible translates it this way, God has no use for the prayers of people who won't listen to Him. 
You want to get your want to kick started? Start obeying and listening to what you already know that God has told you. Start with the Scriptures. Start seeing your heart conformed and your mind conformed to what is taught. Listen to God as He answers your prayers. Pastor, how do I know how He answers my prayers? When He answers your prayers through telling you in the Scriptures. He answers His prayers by bringing godly people into your life through the church. He answers your prayers through circumstances. He answers your prayer through the Holy Spirit speaking to your spirit. And this is often done in connection with the, spirit, with the Scripture. But take the time to obey what you know. A hermit went to a well-known Bible teacher and the hermit uh, asked him, he said, teacher, I cannot read, I cannot write, but I, I love the Lord. Would you recite to me some Scripture that I might apply it, that I might learn it? And so the teacher began to teach some Scripture and he just took a small portion and began to teach it to him and, and the hermit memorized it and the hermit started to, to ask him what it meant and once he learned what it meant, the teacher said, now we're ready to go to the next part. And the hermit said, no, no, teacher, I'll come back for that. I haven't learned how to apply this to my life yet. When I apply it to my life, I'll come back. When I learn how to live what little bit I know right here, I'll come back and learn some more. But I want to learn how to live what I already know. The third question we need to ask yourself is this. Are my relationships right? Listen again to the Scriptures. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive yours. What it's talking here is that we have broken relationships. And our broken earthly relationships can impact our ability to communicate with our Heavenly Father. Elsewhere, Jesus tells us if we're beginning to worship, we need to go and stop that worship and go and repair a broken relationship before we go any further. And friends, this is especially true in our most important human relationships. Husbands, hear what it says for us in 1 Peter chapter 3. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. I want to under, underscore weaker. That means different, a wholly different kind of vessel. Not that she is inferior, she is different. Understand that she is different than you. She doesn't think like you, she doesn't act like you, she doesn't respond like you. But notice what it goes on. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. And here's the kicker. So that your prayers may not be hindered. Because these men were not honoring their wonderful wives and understanding these beautiful differences that their wives were bringing to the table. Because they were not treating their wives as fellow heirs of God, fellow image bearers of God, their prayers were not being heard. If you sense your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, if you sense your want to is broken, how do you fix it? Ask yourself this question. Are there any relationships in my life I need to fix? Is there anything in my life, is there a relationship that is broken that I need to fix so that I can get back to prayer? Number four, 
is my sin in the way. Behold, the Lord's hand, this is Isaiah chapter 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ears dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made, get this, a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Why the separation? We separate because we avoid. Have you ever had a child who's ever done something wrong? Any of you ever have a child like that? Or am I the only one? This loving child. This child who wants to be with you. This child who, who loves to hang out with you now wants to be alone. They won't look you in the eye. When they see you coming, they head the other way. Why? Because the relationship's been broken. I love what uh, one guy in his family, he, he said that uh, smoking was not allowed in his family. And so he, uh, he decided he was going to get himself a big old cigar. And so he went down and he got a friend of a friend of a friend to buy him a big old cigar. And he went and found a nice quiet place. And he started puffing away. And guess who turned the corner? His papa. His papa comes walking up to him. The boy, of course, thinking that he's much smarter than his dad, takes the cigar, quickly puts it behind him, and says, hey, dad. Yes, son, how are you? Ah, uh, Dad, um, I need to distract him. Dad, Dad, see that bulletin over there? They're saying there's a circus in town. Yeah, I think you ought to take us as a family to the circus. I think that'd be a great idea. To which the father replied, Son, never make a petition while holding a smoldering act of disobedience. You see, the disobedience had broken the relationship. When we sin while our relationship with God is secure, our communication becomes broken. The only way to repair it is to ask for forgiveness, to confess our sin. Think about the joy in your home when your kid walks up to you and says, Mom, Dad, I messed up. And with joy we forgive. And with joy that relationship is restored. How much more with our Heavenly Father? Number five, does it hurt too much? Does it hurt too much? Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night I find no rest. I want to be very tender here. Sometimes we don't want to go to God because we hurt. We're in pain. We feel like this psalmist who wrote this to God that I feel like, God, you have even abandoned me in my time of need. 
You could have saved me. You could have done something. Or you could have prevented something. Or you, you, you could have. You could have. And you didn't. Maybe here today you're actually feeling angry at God on some level. I want to let you know that God's not afraid of your feelings. But if you want to work through this, you've got to first begin with being honest with God. He already knows what's going on. You have to go to Him and be honest and tell Him how you feel. You need to go to Him and tell Him, God, I hurt right now. Just as they did. The psalmist said, God, I hurt. This is how I feel. It feels like it's not even fair if you read on into the Psalms, and Psalms will be your book. David sometimes cries out, God, God, it doesn't look fair. God always wants our prayer life to begin with honesty. And He wants us to keep coming back to Him to work through what we're feeling, what we're thinking, so He can move us past that and take us to the truth. He wants us to seek Him honestly. He wants all of us to do it. And friends, everyone in this room has something in their life that they do not understand why God has either allowed or not allowed it to happen. I have an area in my life that I remember being so deeply hurt by and asking God to explain Himself as to why He did not help me, as why He didn't answer my prayers, as why He didn't give me what I needed and what I was asking was good and right and kind. And guess what? He never explained Himself. He never answered it. And that's okay. I might not even know when I get to heaven. But he said, keep coming back. Keep being honest. Keep coming straight forward. Lay it on the line with me time and time again. And keep walking forward. And I will reveal more of myself to you. I will show you more of myself. I will show you more of my glory. I will show you more of who I am. I will show you why I'm your God. Why is your want too broken? Because maybe it hurts. Number six. Whose will do I want? And this is the confidence that we have toward Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know that He hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have requests that we have asked of Him. A little boy was wanting a bike. And uh, he'd been praying for it every night. He'd get down on his knees. Dear God, I want a bike. Dear God, I want a bike. Now, I grew up in a home where his dad was a real fan of um, TV mobster movies, so it's going to explain that in a moment. You'll, you'll see it. But he says, Dear God, I, I want a bike. He didn't feel like his prayers were going anywhere. So one day, before he went down to pray, he 
walked into the living room. It was Christmas time, and there was the manger scene. And he took the little statue of Mary out of the manger scene. He took it very carefully, very gently. And he wrapped it in tissue paper and put it in a box. And he slid it under his bed. He got down on his knees and he began to praise his God. It, so far, my prayers, it hasn't felt like you've listened, so let me rephrase this. Jesus, if you ever want to see your mom again. Do we ever try to hold God hostage? Tell you what, his mom found out and had a long talk with dad about those mobster movies. You ever want to hold God hostage? Ever want your will? God, I want my will. Problem is, when we start praying our will, we stop praying because we know that's not going to happen. You want your want to to start? Start praying His will first. Seven, whose glory do I want? Let's go back to the Scriptures. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do. That the Father may be glorified. Are my prayers that God may be glorified. I like what 1 Corinthians 10 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Aren't we often just caught up with our own glory? I mean, we are really stuck on ourselves sometimes, aren't we? Kind of like a little, little kid who goes out to play baseball, has his bat, has his ball, throws the ball up. I'm the greatest batter in the world. And he swings. Whoosh! Strike one. He picks up the ball. I am the greatest batter in the world. And he throws the ball up and he swings with all his might. Whoosh! Strike two. He clenches his teeth. He picks up the ball. You can see every muscle in his little body straining. He tosses the ball up. I am the greatest batter in the world. And he swings. Strike three. And he reaches down and he picks up the ball and he goes, not only am I the greatest batter in the world, but I'm the greatest pitcher as well. Oh, look at me. Do your prayers reflect the look at me attitude? Do my prayers look at me? Oh God, this Sunday, would you, would you make sure that the church is full so I can feel good about myself? If I start praying those prayers, I sure hope my elders take me to task. Whose glory do I want? Am I committed to the glory of God? Have you ever heard a believer start telling a story about how God answered prayer, but the story ends up making you walking away, think about how great they are instead of how great God is? Whose glory? Number eight, whose guidance are you depending on? Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray. I love that. I don't know what to pray as we ought. 
For the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Who am I depending on? How often do I go to God in my prayers and and I have the Holy Spirit who wants to intercede for me, who wants to teach me, who wants to guide me? How often do I go to Him, but when I pray, I'm really praying, God, would you simply just rubber stamp my plan? Would you simply just, here's what I want, just put the stamp on it and say it's okay? Or do I truly, truly want God to direct me? What do you really want? What do I really want? And last, whose answers do I depend on trusting? Whose answers do I depend on? Whose answers do I trust? Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Am I trusting God when the answer comes and it's not the one I was thinking? When I pray and pray and the answer I get isn't the one I thought I was praying for? Kind of like the guy who went hunting. It's early in the spring. He comes across a bear who just woke up. Bear's hungry. He's been sleeping all winter. Wants to eat comes up makes a big growl scares the hunter so bad the hunter jumps back ends up rolling down a hill the hunter's gun goes flying the hunter rolls down the hill and the bear follows as the hunter gets to the bottom of the hill he realizes he has no other choice but he needs to pray and so he starts to pray and all he can think is this oh god Please make this bear a Christian. Light from heaven descends. The bear looks up. The bear's paws come together. And he hears the bear say, Oh God, thank you for that which I'm about to eat. Not quite what he thought he was praying for, was it? How are you with God's answers? How am I? Am I okay if God answers in a way that I didn't pray? Am I okay if God says something different? In fact, aren't we sometimes afraid that if we pray that God's going to answer in a way that we don't want Him to answer. Well, God, I, I, I'm not going to like tell you you can have control of my life because if I do that, you're going to call me to Africa to be a missionary where there's really big bugs and poisonous snakes. Or you're going to ask me to make some really weird people my friends. Just think, though, someone may have prayed that prayer and ended up making you their friend. If we admitted and we're honest that deep down we believe that what God wants for us is we really think deep down that if we got what God wants, it's going to be boring and uncomfortable and not what we want. 
And I want to tell you something, after walking with God for a few years, I found that it's definitely not boring unless I want to make it boring. And it sometimes is uncomfortable until I'm stretched. And I discover it can sometimes be exactly what I wanted, but I just didn't know it yet. And the problem is I sometimes begin to realize how much I missed out because I wasn't willing to trust God with all my heart and lean not unto my own understanding because I didn't want to follow His path. How about you? As we come to the conclusion, I want to ask you this question. Consider this. You've been given three years to spend with someone to impart on them everything they need when you are gone. You know their lives will be hard. You know their lives will be challenging. You know eventually what will happen will cost them their lives. What would you teach them? Jesus never taught His disciples how to preach. Did you know that? He didn't teach His disciples a lot of things we try to teach pastors today. But the one thing he wanted his disciples to know was how to pray how to pray because it brings glory to God how to pray because it builds our relationship with God how to pray because it's the only omnipotence God ever grants us so pray so pray even if you don't want to father we come to you and ask that you would work on our want to's so that they line up with our ought tos. And we ask this in Jesus' name.